Good morning. It is great to be here and just to uh, see your church in action as a family. And I love that statement around the corner and around the world as I talk about India. Uh, as you know, um, to reach India is to reach the world, and India is here and in India. So it, it is just a privilege to be here. I want to just take a moment and just quickly talk a little bit about our family and our story and then share from the Word of God this morning. And um, I've been on the uh, Southern New England tour, traveling to a number of churches, and the joke has been that Bob McGurdy has the largest prayer card. Well, I actually don't have a prayer card. I have this whole newsletter that I'm calling a prayer card. So make sure you get this uh, prayer card, newsletter, whatever you want to call it. It's on the table in the back before you leave. Um, there's going to be a real big gangster man that's not going to let you out of the church unless you have this. Uh, he won't be there, and uh, I'm big, but I'm not real big. So, But please get this. Uh, what it does is on one side, it's our 30-year journey of what God has done in our lives in 30 years because of people like you who pray and give and believe in us. And then the other side talks about our recent role with Calcutta Mercy. And so very quickly, we lived in Bangladesh for 15 years, and we came stateside and led an organization within the Assemblies of God called Healthcare Ministries, which uh, travels to some of the toughest places in the world. We've been to Iran and Iraq and other places uh, through the medical opportunity to share the gospel. And then for just over eight years, I was the area director for India, um, living in the Delhi area and then later in the mountains in a place called Dehradun. But uh, the role of just leading the work of what we were doing in the area of India. And so we came home on furlough and we've transitioned this year now working with Calcutta Mercy uh, if you know the names Mark and Hulda Buntain, if you've been in the Assemblies of God a while, it's kind of continuing the legacy and the ministry of what happens in Calcutta. And really simply, what we do in Calcutta, what we're focused on, are three things. Feed, educate, medically assist. The feed, we have every single day 11,000 people that receive a hot meal because of the work of Calcutta Mercy and the Assemblies of God on the Ground working in partnership. Education, we have 16,000 in our school system in Calcutta and greater northeast India. And then the medical assist, we have a 173-bed hospital from cardiac care, emergency services, outpatient clinic, the whole thing there, as well as clinics in the outer area, some as far as several hours from Calcutta. And so all of that work of feeding, educating, medically assisting is the work of Calcutta Mercy. Now, if you listen to that and you go... Okay, well, that's great, but where's the ministry part? All of those things are done through the local Assembly of God Church. And um, if we just feed people, then hungry people are still without God. If we just educate, then we have a higher level of educated people who are still without God. And if all we do is medically assist, we have healthier people who are without God. That's not what we do. All of those are integrated into the good news of Jesus. And so we're able to feed and share the gospel while we do it. We're able to educate and talk about the Lord and his ways in that education process. And then when we medically assist, again, 
the good news of the gospel. We have a strong chaplaincy department, and everything's in, integrated in there, praying with surgeons before they uh, perform surgery, praying with patients, helping people at their darkest need, whether they're Christian, Hindu, Muslim, Buddhist. We have the opportunity to share the gospel. And when you're desperate and, and when difficult things happen, you're open to the truth of the gospel. And so, so all of those things are integrated into the local body, into the church, and uh, it is the scripture to do those things. And so I just get to be a part of that, and, and, and that is just the privilege and the honor that we have. This morning, I want to share a scripture from you, and it, and it is really about having spiritual insight to understand what God is up to. And, and I think it's very important for us, and, and as believers, we believe in the work of the Holy Spirit, and sometimes we miss the spiritual lens. So a, a, a little story in the story, about a year and a half ago, I had to get my driver's license renewed, and my driver's license is in the state of Missouri, and... Um, and an interesting thing happened. My eyesight was good enough to pass the eye test part of my driver's license, but it was bad enough that they put a restriction on my license. And it's the weirdest thing in the world. My driver's license, and I'll show it to anybody that wants me to prove it, it's, it's, it's there. The restriction says that I have to have a mirror on the right side of my car. Now, how many of you drove in a car this morning without a mirror on the right side? Nobody. Okay, my point exactly. But it's there. So, so, so somehow the Division of Motor Vehicles says it's so bad that even if the other licensing of cars say nobody needs a right mirror, McGurdy needs one. So I need deeper spiritual insight. And so that's just in a natural, but we're going to look at a supernatural side of this from 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 17. And I'm going to read from the New International Version. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel after conferring with his officers. He said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. And time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Tell me which of us is on the side of Israel. None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he's in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant said. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Lord, this morning as we look at missions, as we look at our peace, as we look at our part, as we look at spiritual insight, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you will help through the anointing of your word, that we, each and every one of us, may understand our part in the work of the kingdom of God 
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I read this scripture, and I read it many, 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 many times, and I realized a number of years ago that I was missing something really big. You, you read the scripture and you get excited because all of a sudden you see that there's chariots and, 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 that, and that God with us is greater than the enemy against us. And, and that's really exciting. But one day I was reading this and all of a sudden I realized something and, and it has such an application to my spiritual life. And, and here's the deal. As you read this, you kind of get this picture that everything's going bad. Elisha prays, and now everything's going to be good. And, 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 and we can miss and, and understand it as if the prophet's prayer changed something. Here's the truth. Nothing changed. What really did change was the servant's ability to see what God was already doing. You see, no new chariots, no new horses, no new army showed up as a result of the prophet's prayer. All the prophet prayed is, let the servant see. You see, the servant wakes up in the morning, and he literally sees that the deck of cards is stacked against him. He sees that the enemy is strong, and in my New Jersey vernacular, he says, oh my God, what are we going to do? You may say it a little different in New England, but the scripture literally says, Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? You see, the servant wakes up and everything he sees is true. Apply this to your and my life. There are days we wake up in the morning and we say in New Jersey, Oh my God, what are we going to do? And you say whatever you say in Quincy or wherever you're from, what are we going to do? This is not a good picture. And we all have life's stories of pictures that aren't very good. We have personal pain. We have heartache. We have more bills than we have cash. We have challenges in our studies and our work and whatever it is that we do in our marriage and our family with our children, with our parents. And the situation is bleak. And at that moment, everything the servant saw was truth. But here's the deal. It was partial truth. And we can be paralyzed with partial truth. Because there is a deeper truth in terms of the purpose of God. And when we can see what God is really up to, it's a game changer. I don't know where you're at today, but as we look at this on Mission Sunday, my hope and my prayer for me for you, for us together, is that we see the deeper purpose of God. That God would somehow show up in our life, and whether we're young, old, somewhere in between, no matter where we're at in life, whether we're new babies in Jesus, whether we're on this path of following Christ for a long, long time, there are deep truths that God wants you to see and get a hold of an experience. God wants you to experience more than a Sunday morning churchianity. He wants you to experience more than going through the motions of showing up and saying praise the Lord. Chinese proverb, he who ride middle road get hit both sides. And God doesn't want any of us getting hit on both sides, you know. 
You play the church, you play the world, the world goes, hey, you're not really in, you're faking it. You show up in church and they go, you're not really in, you're faking it. And God doesn't want us to play both sides. He doesn't want us to experience a partial Christianity. But he wants, as the servant pray, as the prophet prayed over the servant, he wants you to experience the deeper, deeper purpose. No matter how you came into this world, it was God's plan, it was God's purpose, it was God's anointing. No matter what it is, why you're here this morning in Quincy, Massachusetts, God's anointed purpose is on your life. And there's a destiny that he has determined for you to walk in. And my question is, do you need that prayer that Elisha prayed? That you can see the deeper purpose of God. We have been in missions over 30 years of our life. And people say, you know, why, why don't you quit? Or you, you've done your time and let someone else in. You know, when you see what God does... When you have a spiritual lens to the purpose of God, you just want to get in a little deeper and you want to do a little more and you want to see what God's up to. And there's an invitation this morning and that's the mission's call to letting God show you what he's up to. A silly question, but hear me out before you judge the question. How many of you this morning, by a show of hands, would say, God is smarter than you are. About 95%. And if there's a camera somewhere, Pastor, you know which five you need to work on. But 95%. That's pretty good. So, now here's, here's the deal. If you believe that God is smarter than you, as you've said by your hand, why would you put a limit on God? Why would you tell God what you can and can't do? Why would you tell God what you are or aren't capable of? If he's really smarter, he's got this. He's got you. And if we would live as though we raised our hand, that God is smarter than us. It's like the story of Moses in Exodus where he said, you know, God, I'm not, you know, you picture God going, oh, sorry, Mo, I, I forgot that. Let me write that down. God knows, and he knows what your weakness is, he knows what your temptation is, he knows what you're capable of, and he knows what you're incapable of. And I challenge you this morning to just go all in for God, and just say, God, you've got this. And I, like that servant, want to see what you're really up to. I want to see the world the way you see it. I don't want to just go through a channel on the television, hear a need and let it go by. I don't want the next time the pastor asks me to do something or to respond to something or to give or to have faith, I don't want to treat him like a channel and just tune him out and think about what I'm going to buy at the grocery store. But Lord, I'm that servant. I need spiritual lens to see what you're up to. My heart and my prayer for every one of you this morning is that you will enter a new depth of God's anointed destiny and purpose for your life. In Calcutta, we're privileged to be there. It could be somewhere else that God would speak to your heart about. But the needs are so overwhelming. And when I walk on the streets of Calcutta and in India, and I see the spiritual darkness and blindness 
that the enemy has put on lies. When I look at Hinduism and the worship of 330 million gods, and, you know, a Hindu could come to church today, and we could have an altar call and say, would you like to receive Jesus? And he or she will raise their hand because in their mind, everybody needs one more God. And yet, to be empty, to be empty, to be empty. And, and that's a part of the spiritual lens that God has given me a burden. Muslims, Hindus, to experience God. Not a rule book God. Not a God who punishes and judges but a God who is merciful, a God who loves us so much that he wants to pour out his plan into our lives. And, you know, if you ever think about this, God doesn't need us. This is the God who said, light being light was. Moses said, hey, if they ask who I am, God goes, I am. <laughs> if I were Moses, I'd be like, thanks, God, that really helps. God doesn't need us. But he's so in love with us. And God is so into you that this morning, he says, let me put a pair of glasses on. Let me show you the destiny I have for your life. Let me show you the chariots. Let me show you the victory. Let me show you the other side. And I'm going to close in just a moment with prayer for you. But I just want to invite you this morning to experience what God has for you. To not just play church, to not just get hit on both sides, to not just show up on Sunday, but for God to walk in to your darkness and bring his light. That's what he wants to do for you. Every one of us have pain points in our lives and things that we've gone through. A year and a half ago, we lost our 32-year-old son tragically. And we say, why, God? What are you up to? How can this happen? And again, I had to be that servant. I had to get in that place with God and say, Lord, I need your lens. Because everything I can see, this just isn't right. And like that servant, I'm saying, oh, my God, what am I going to do? What's my wife going to do? How are we going to walk through this journey? Will you invite God to show up this morning? I want you to just stand with me and I want to pray for you. And you might say, well, this is Mission Sunday. You haven't talked much about Calcutta. You haven't talked much about going to the field. This is one truth I know. Is that if you will let God in you, He will lead, guide, and direct. And everything else will be taken care of. When God got to the problem of the harvest... He didn't say we need a whole bunch of money, though that's a reality. He didn't say we need a whole bunch of people praying, though that's a reality. What did he say? He said, there's a great harvest, and there's very few harvesters. This morning, the great commission, the work of the harvest, is not for a few missionaries who come and grab a microphone every Sunday morning. It's the entire church. And Pastor Rennie's words around the corner, around the world. And so, as I pray, I want you to be open to God's spiritual eyesight. And I want you to ask God what your bite-sized piece is. Lord, I just pray this morning 
for this church. I thank you for Pastor Rennie and his wife, Smitha. And I pray, Lord, what you want to do in Rennie and Smitha's life, that your anointing and your flow would be in them, that you would lead and guide and direct. And now, Lord, I pray for every one of us in this congregation this morning. Open our eyes that we can see your purpose, that we can see your destiny, that we wouldn't live like this servant saying, oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? But that we will see the horses, the chariots, the provision, the leading, the guiding. As we are here on Mission Sunday, I pray that you will speak so powerfully to every one of us. I'm going to pray this prayer that is here for us this morning. And I, I'm not Elisha, I'm not the prophet. I'm praying this for me as well. But us, as God's servants this morning, and then Pastor Rennie will come and conclude us. But I want to invite you to receive this prayer as if the Lord is opening your eyes. Lord... Open the eyes of us, your servants, that we might see. That we might see horses, chariots of fire, provision for our darkness, destiny for our future. Lord, right this moment, would you pour into us what our part of this harvest is. Would you pour into us neighbors who are lost, people who we know who are not followers of Jesus, who are following other religious beliefs. Would you speak to us now? Would you give us every provision to accomplish? I especially pray for young people this morning that they will live as if they have a divine destiny because they do. That they will live as if there's a divine purpose for their life because there is. That you would pour in God. That in this congregation this morning there would be those who would get involved in Calcutta, feeding, educating, medically assisting. They will get involved locally. They will get involved all across the world. Pour your purpose. Pour your provision. And pour your anointing in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name.